This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Right, come on then. Got some tissues ready instead of cry. <laughs> Let's get it. Welcome back. Not that it's news to us or anyone listening, but 2020 was a hell of a year for everyone around the world. And for so many of us, 2021 has uh, not been as big of a break from what we've just been through as we would have hoped. And it's gotten us here in the World of Martial Arts show uh, to thinking about and discussing a little bit with one another about what happens when life happens. Uh, Martial art for so many of us is a part of our life and our lifestyle. It's a part of not just what we do with our time, but, but maybe who we are. And that's how we think of ourselves and we navigate the world kind of in that way or through this filter. And every once in a while, the world will pop up and show us that it's not just about defending yourself against kicks and punches, <clears throat> it's like defending yourself against maybe yourself, against uh, some of the hardships that any of us face in life, be it financial, the loss of a loved one. Obviously, in this last year, um, defending ourselves, hopefully, against illness or against mistreatment, misjudgment by others. And so there's just been a whole lot of life put on our plates, all of us, for the last 12, 15 months. I wanted to ask my friends here, Mick and Nathan, to share with me a little bit their thoughts on, on what it's like to be a martial artist, to be a student, and in particular to be a coach or a school owner. And when life happens, how do you roll with the punches? How do we keep ourselves uh, looking like we've got it all together because we've got people counting on us to be the ones that show how to lead the way with that kind of stuff. We're the ones that students come to at times to find some confidence, find some strength, some stability, and the ability to roll with the punches. And I know if, if I'm falling apart and having a hard time with that, I, you know, I feel some sense of responsibility about that. So um, I just wanted to open up the table and create an opportunity for us to chat a little bit about that. And maybe if anyone's listening, um, it gets them thinking about the same things. And um, we'll, we'll share a little bit at the end of, of if you wanted to reach out to, to me or to any of us about things, or if you needed to reach out to talk to somebody, we'll make sure there's resources available as well. Nathan, 
I would love your feedback and would love for you to get me to stop talking about that. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. Uh, when you brought this up, I was like, this is a pretty heavy conversation if we're talking about yeah. life getting in the way of training, in particular trauma and things like that. And I thought there's so many ways we can get into this. There's so many ways we can talk about being in a leadership role and having to kind of hide our own what's going on with ourselves. We can talk about a gym and a sense of community and what that can do for people. And then I just kind of started, I went for a walk this morning and I was thinking about things that I've heard about and been listening to recently. And it just got me thinking about, you know, we get a lot of people in our gyms who are in a state of stress, in a state of change. People tend to come in after, I find a lot of guys come into my gym after broken relationships, changes of jobs, different things like that. Uh, and I'm expecting a lot more to be coming in after this, after the pandemic, you know, they're much trying to make a change in their life. And one of the things I was reading about recently, we, we talk a lot about PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, but there's a, there's a flip side to it. There's PTG, post-traumatic growth. And actually that, although it's something that I've talked about, it's something that's actually more common. And it's basically when bad things happen to people, they get more of an appreciation of life and their appreciation of relationships. And they think about the possibilities of life and they think about, they grow personal strength and have spiritual growth and that kind of thing. And we've all had that, you know, things go wrong and it makes us actually reevaluate life. And I was thinking PTSD and PTG, are essentially the same thing. It's a trauma happens or something happens and that changes your responses to stimulus and it changes your worldview, right? So they're, they're kind of the same thing. And I, in no way am I saying like, you know, people with PTSD should be having personal, you know, like should be having growth, like it, it is what it is, right? And then I thought, well, stimulus and worldview changing, that's what we try and do in the gym. And essentially it's resilience and strength. And that's what they talk about post-traumatic growth being. People have a trauma and they build resilience and they build strength through essentially doing what one things they do with post-traumatic stress disorder is art therapy well we're a martial art we're doing art therapy essentially um as well as all the connections with people and things like that and i know this is something that is very important and very true because we over here we have the real organization which is a group who are working with veterans and a lot of veterans with PTSD and things like that, you know, and other, and other disorders, and they're doing jujitsu with them. And they're helping them to build that resilience and build that strength and change their reaction to stimulus um, and change their worldview and make or do those things through training. I don't know that much about the organization. I know, I know Tom Hart is kind of like a, one of the people who advocates it over here. Um, I don't know if Mick's had any um kind of uh contact with them or if he knows much about like you know, experiences of other people coming in with trauma and life and using training to get through that well um it's funny you said that because uh, a good friend of mine james monker i have to give him a shout out he's a features writer for uh, the scotsman he's also a very good blue belt and uh, he set up an interview with a, a gentleman called mark ormrod Mark He's also apparently best friends with uh, with Tom Hardy. Um, he got he recently got his blue belt because he trains a lot with the Reorg guys, and he got his blue belt, uh, I believe, on the same day as Ramus. So, like, that's the one thing that like just totally inspires me. This is a guy with no arms and only one leg, and he's got a blue belt in jujitsu. And I know one thing about the reorg guys, 
it's uh, yeah my good friend jimmy johnson does a lot of work for them jimmy's a great guy he owns phoenix mma uh, if you ever down on the south coast go and see him he's amazing and jimmy does a load of this work uh but again he was doing this work when now there's real kudos behind it you know it's like oh you know uh, from the outside looking in, there were people saying, you're doing great work with the community. Jimmy was like, no, I'm just doing great work with guys who, uh, you know, either they're physically or mentally, you know, in a bad way at the moment. We need to get them back there. So, yeah, 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 it's good. I saw someone talking about sport the other day and they said uh, it was, I can't remember, I'm going to change whatever the specific sport was to the word sport. But the basic quote was, um, sport isn't exercise, it's medicine. And I thought that was really yeah. cool. I thought that was really cool because it is. And it is, it does help with all those things that are going on with life. You kind of leave it at the door and you come in and you can kind of not only just leave it at the door and have a good time, but you can work through stuff as well. And now, yeah, we might come into the gym with things that we're bringing in and we work through it too. I guess part of what I'm talking about is um, as someone who deals with depression and anxiety and has for most of my life since I was a child, martial art has always been an incredible tonic for that. That's a huge thing that I talk about in my, in, well, I don't talk about all the time in my gym, um, but it's, it's part of our culture here, I think in, in this gym, because we're very community oriented in that way. And so we try to, I mean, my wife is a therapist and she runs the program here with me. So that's inherently going to be part of it. But what I mean is when the real stuff hits and the last thing you want to do is train, we don't all have to go down our dark, share our sad stories or whatever, but I think in some capacity, we can relate to that, that those, those times where something really big hits, the hurricane of life comes in and it knocks you off your track where you know training will help you. You know, my teacher, mixed teacher as well, Rick, Faye, you know, it's where I think of him really as, as my Sifu, is somebody who's always like, just don't forget to train, just keep training, don't forget to train, don't stop the training, just make sure you don't stop training, don't forget to train. And every time I know it's like, you know, dad saying eat your vegetables, I know. And he's a thousand times right. He's a thousand percent right. Because whenever I do, I always immediately think of him when that runner's high hits. I'm like, he's right. This is fantastic. This is what I needed. But that getting off the couch, that getting out of bed, that thing is really difficult when life really comes in and sucker punches you right in the nuts, right? I mean, when it really blindsides you. And 2020 as a year did that for everybody. And so we're talking about, even what you're talking about with this group that sounds fantastic, that's working with veterans, and we, we've tried to do some similar things here. You know, you're talking about trying to create paradigm shifts for some of these guys so they can reframe some of their own trauma reframe and take back control of the ability that they uh, their ability to cope with new things as they come in but when paradigm shifts happen to us not through us not not by choice that can really really reframe things that you're not choosing to reframe and so it's hard then to walk into old spaces so for me it's on my mind because i just lost uh we lost here at my gym the uh, one of our kind of I don't want to say top students. It's hard to categorize people like that, but um, somebody who was outside of myself and Byron and Amariah, like the main staple here at my gym, and so it was a devastating loss to this community. It's it, kind of an unfathomable thing. And young guy, thirty years old. So walking into the same space, we're all sharing stories together here because we walk in, we find ourselves. We're all we keep glancing at the door, going, "Where is he?" 
Well, you know what I mean? You're waiting for him to walk through. Cause this is the, the dude who, I mean, I don't know that he's missed more than three classes since I met him, right? The most dedicated student kind of thing. And so then it's weird to be in that space and to have that experience. Um, if you lose a training partner and then you got to go back, not just to the art or the sport, but to the place where you trained, that's really hard to deal with that stuff. And it's hard for people to go like, well, you know, let's get back to the grind and, and God bless the ones that can. I think that's awesome. But for some of us, it's a real challenge. And I, I guess I'm wondering if that is relatable to you guys, if you've found strategies or you found like maybe even one exercise or one thing where you're like, yeah, that's the one that plugs me back in. So there's a gym, a very well-known gym over here that in the last two years has lost three key members to suicide. And they've posted openly about that. Um, I believe a coach and two of their, two of their, the young men who train there and their go-to has been to do get, collect together some money. I don't know whether they're crowdfunded or they're funding themselves and they're sending their team on a mental health first aid course. It's awesome. Which I'm looking at doing, you know, we, we get guys, in the gym. there's guys in my gym who have had, you know, psychotic breaks and addiction issues and all kinds of stuff because, you know, it's young men, you know, you know what, how it is. Sure. And I would like to be able to deal with better that. It's expensive. It's 300 quid a person to send on this course. Um, but they're doing it with their whole team. And I think that in some ways that's a, that's a martial artist response. You see something and you do something about it. But often, sometimes we're in that position. You know, like you see a punch coming, you do something, right? right? So we see, okay, there's this thing happening with this group. We're going to do something about it. People who are martial artists are often quite proactive, and especially people who are in gyms because they've got there by being proactive, by wanting to do their own thing, by wanting their own team, that kind of thing. But if that's happening to us, it is hard. And I think you know, maybe having a mentor or someone to turn to, that kind of thing is important, having a, an outside perspective. Um, but it is hard. I've, I've been lost plenty of times and not knowing where to turn to. But having people like Mick in my life has been very, very useful. We're looking outside the gym. Yeah. You know, I think if you're the leader in the gym, you can't look within the gym for the answer. Right. Like, right. Because they're, they're looking to mm -hmm. you. I think maybe you need someone outside that. You need someone to look up to. Yeah, you, you just said something there that I've uh, I've maintained for years, which uh, has been the role of a sifu or a sensei or a guru or a coach or whatever name you want to give it. Um, it you know, where, you know the whole Kurt was saying about you know about Rick. Uh, you can't look at him like a father figure because that's a generational divide. Yeah, in martial arts, you don't want the generational divide. What you need is a sifu should be like an older brother. I main I maintain this all the time. I always say to the guys who train with me, I'm like, listen, you know, I'm 10, 15 years older than you. So we like some of the same music, but guess what? I've got a different appreciation on life, but I'm still sort of relevant and I still know where we're coming from. So I've made the mistakes, but they haven't been like 25 years ago. They were only recently, you know what I mean? And uh, it was when, where Kurt was saying this, uh, strategies that you have. I remember, um, yeah, when you talk about yeah, martial arts helping you, martial arts has saved my life three times. And it saved my mental health a lot more. But three times it has saved me. It truly has saved me. Um, you know, Nathan knows it. The last time I had an anxiety episode, and I don't want this to be like, you know, as you were saying about sharing your own stories, but um, I had it was medical anxiety based through an injury I'd picked up through jujitsu. And what I did was stupidly, instead of just going on the mat and doing anything, even just putting on the pajamas and shrimping up and down the mat, 
what I did was I said, no, I'm going to take time off. I took time off, which meant then I spent more time in my brain, which meant that I still had to go and teach classes, which meant that I was sitting in my car going, Mick, you're a fucking fraud in the car, and then going, boom, putting on my game face, and then going in there and having to be basically a hypocrite, which is the reason why I got into martial arts, because I didn't want to be a hypocrite. Right. Because the thing is, I, that's that's why I got, I got into martial arts, because I wanted to be authentic, and I didn't give a shit how much it cost. And when I was a younger, more able man, as I said, first 16 years of my life, my life was like a really bad country and western song two things have saved me martial arts and my wife they're the two things everything else i could couldn't give a fuck about i can get rid of i can get rid of everything else apart from my wife and my family obviously and martial arts they're the things that have got me but when you were saying about the coping mechanism i remember i was there and like i was having a hypertensive crisis i'm like this going uh, and I kept saying this mantra, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And I'd almost got myself out of that, gone back into training. And um, I was with Nathan Leverton when I, I it was funny because I, I found out my father had passed. Literally, as I drove away from Nathan's house. Yeah, we were sat in the car. I, I saw a meme once that said uh, a, a chat in a car is low key therapy. Yeah. Um, and. And it is like we were sat yeah. there, you know, like the end, you know, you, instead of just jumping out and jump going in the house, you kind of sit there and you chat for a little bit. And we, were doing, we were doing that. Yeah. We were doing that. And my phone kept buzzing. And I went, it's my brother. I'll give him a ring back in a minute. Did it again. Rang me again. And like the, the mad thing was, right, I rang, rang up my brother. My brother went to pieces. He was like, mate, that's, that's just passed away. And I was like, oh, man. And like, I couldn't, I couldn't get it. So, this is like this will give you an idea what martial arts and the friendships that you get from it will bring to your life, right? These are the people that I rang, not in no particular order, right? Uh, obviously, my sons that they know, Nathan Leverton, Neil Simkin, Terry Barnett, and Alan Peasland. Four people that the only reason, the only thing I got in common with them is learning how to kick, punch strangle mm -hmm. knee and elbow them in the face they were the people that i had to ring first yeah because literally yeah i remember speaking to nathan and saying dude i don't know what's wrong with me i feel like i'm a fucking serial killer because it just and it hadn't hit me and it was definitely because every single one of them gave me great advice but a differing perspective you know you don't get that from learning how to do a front kick right so nathan was the voice of reason and nathan fair play to nathan nathan was really honest because nathan's like haven't really experienced loss, loss, loss. So yeah, well, I don't really know what to say here, but he just listened to me. Al Pearson was the same. And then Terry Barnett, I broke down crying and Terry said, I would be really upset if you hadn't. Because Terry's one of the most like, emphatic men you'll ever meet. Because he was like, no, Mickey goes, imagine, imagine how awful it would be if someone left your life suddenly and you didn't feel that strongly about them. And I know this is like, yeah, it's probably not the best place to say it, Kurt, but I've been watching you agonise over this. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, imagine how awful it would have been if it was like, well, yeah, you know, Theo's not coming back training now. Imagine how awful that would be. And literally, dude, you know, you know what we do, rolling around the floor, swinging sticks or whatever, sure. that's, that isn't what it is. It, it's the relationships we build. It's the friendships we build. It's the depth of feeling and, and this is the thing, you know, my friendships with you guys 
is as real as it fucking gets. It's like an advert for early UFC, man. It's as real as it gets, yeah? But it, but that's what, yeah, what, what a great thing to have. But the problem with that, and I know I'm, I am waffling this, but the, the, mm-hmm. the thing is, guys, the, the price to pay to be at the, at, the, at the front of the queue, to be the guy leading the class is, guess what? We don't get to do what a lot of characters have done, which is break down publicly, be on Facebook Live crying. You can't do that, unfortunately, because wh- whether or not we yeah. want to or not, we can't do it because we need to just keep up, fake it till you make it, you know what I mean? But then be honest about it. I was literally just going to quickly say, I was saying, one of the things that Kurt said ages ago was that uh, all therapists need to go and see a therapist uh, as part of their their job and probably martial arts instructors should do that yeah, do that too definitely as, as part of as part if you're going to be a leader of people and helping people out and talking about all this stuff i think it's probably something you should do yeah, as part of your job definitely. the minute we were talking about this and we we're talking about loss and we we're talking about feelings the real important times in my life when i've ever needed anything it's always been it's always been a friend from martial arts has been there well what thing is where do you make friends as an adult especially with guys it's like you know you you're thrown into school you're supposed to make friends there you got work you're supposed to make friends there like and the thing is yeah you might have friends from when you're a kid but making an adult friend that you have a link with is very rare but you do that in martial arts and you and like that's what you're going to need you're going to need friends you're going to need someone to talk to whether it's to talk about the problem you've got or talk about some other shit and kind of watch a fight together or punch each other in the face you know sometimes you need that i wholeheartedly believe that's why we see so much talk of like you know this group of martial artists and they're a brotherhood this you know they have that kind of ethos that they're plugging into this sort of warrior tribe brotherhood thing one of the reasons i think we see that is because it is one hard to find relationships as an adult two hard to find friendships as an adult three hard to find meaningful relationships and friendships and so when you get a group of people especially guys i feel like but you get a group of people together and they're kind of centered around one thing and they're boy especially you get enough testosterone in there you're really starting to encourage that that thing to come through then once you label it you put an identity on it now everybody gets to be part of a thing they get to have an identity they get to be part of a group they get to have an ethos for their life that that matters to them and they get to have their their tribe around them that continues to reinforce who they are what they do and yeah it also offers them an outlet which so many people as adults don't have any kind of outlet, any kind of social network or just a person to turn to, right? Someone to hold space for them if that's all it is. Just anything like that. It, it, it's, that's been one of the tragic things that we've seen with COVID is people not being able to get to their people when tragedy strikes, right? People being alone in the hospital and all that kind of isolation, all these stories we hear, they're just awful, awful things that people have to go forward with, you know, remembering or thinking about. Nathan, in the beginning of this, you hit on something that I think is incredible. I want to crack this open with you guys if you'll indulge me. You described this as that's what we do as martial artists. That's the martial artist's response, right? Is to, you know, you when the punch is coming, you do something about it. So I know it's a big question, but what is the martial artist's response to this? Because there's so many different, like in my head, I'm hearing and want to give space for, I guess, the, the kind of martial artist that says, 
F that, put your big boy pants on, one foot in front of the other, one more round, knock this thing out, you know, grab that problem by the throat and smack it around a little bit and keep moving forward. And there's all these different types of martial artists, quote unquote, out there and different kinds of um, tribes and communities and stuff like that out there. And I feel like each one is different and probably has its place. So I'm just curious either what your take is individually as martial artists or if you have any thoughts on collectively how we are or how we might might want to be, what would be a virtuous way to tackle these things as groups of martial artists in a way that's healthy and isn't just about sounding like a stoic meme or something like that, you know? Okay, yeah, I think we've talked around and bounced around and I think there are probably several different prongs to this that kind of stand out for me, maybe three or four different things. The first is the lessons we learn from martial arts. Okay, so we talked about John Will before. John Will says, you know, doing martial arts is shallow learning. Taking those lessons into real life—that's deep learning. That's what we—that's what we should be doing. So taking the resilience, taking the strength, taking the—you know—rolling with the punches, taking the, like, literally, literally the things that we learn, how to see a problem and try and find a way through it. Taking those lessons to our life, even if it's our own personal demons that we're thinking about tackling i think that's part of it then the other part is the community we talk about the community and the friendships and you know we kind of i joked around earlier said there's you know some people argue that you know women's communication is face to face they like to just do the communication between each other and guys is shoulder to shoulder guys like to watch a football match watch a fight do an activity do something together we're doing that we're doing community we're creating bonds we're having that kind of thing so obviously yeah having strategies to cope with life and having people to do that with I think both of those come through the martial arts and with things that will help us. They tell you in like a lot of things, never be your own coach. You know, like uh, I, I know a really good bodybuilder who runs a gym and he does nutrition plans for loads of different people and stuff like that. He doesn't do his own nutrition plan. He pays someone else to do that for him. Um, you know, and I think we get often being a, a martial artist is like, you've got your style, you've got your gym, you don't look elsewhere. You don't look for that mental figure. And maybe we need that. And maybe like I said, kind of joked around earlier about therapists always needing to go to therapy. Maybe that's what we need. But I think with our strength of the lessons we learn, the community that we create, but then we need something else. We need someone else to look to. And that can be peers like you guys but maybe it needs to be someone who's outside of that as well. But I think if you don't have those things in place, you're going to be in trouble, you know? And how lucky we are, as you point out, that in the world of martial arts, we do have access to other people to be that coach. And so like, you know, maybe every martial art coach should see a therapist. I, I think if you're a professional martial art coach, you need therapy. <laughs> this is a crazy thing you're doing. <laughs> but, but also, you know, maybe the martial art coach should train with another martial art coach, which is something we've talked about in the past, the sheer fact that you're, it's liberating to remember as a martial art teacher that what you do as a martial arts student doesn't have to be related to what you teach your students. You're still free to go and explore whatever the hell you like because martial art has this massive opportunity to engage with things. And yeah, if there's nobody in your circle, in your tribe, in your gym, your school, your brotherhood or whatever that you actually feel like you can connect on that stuff with, there might be other groups or individuals where you'll be able to plug in a little bit. That's pretty cool. 
Basically, what I'm saying, Mick, is come over and swing some sticks with me. And I've not seen you in a while. Definitely, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. That's the one, right? I, I, you know, you guys know me. I love jujitsu, but guess what? I don't teach jujitsu, and that's selfishly because guess what? That that's my thing. That's my thing. And one day, maybe you know. But as I was saying, I'll teach you one on my black belt, maybe. But the thing is, I, I remember getting stagnant. I was stagnating in training. And yeah, I you know I I I've got enough BS and I Irish blarney to be able to pull the wool over most people's eyes, right? Uh, but I knew to myself that there was still something I needed to do, and it, it was becoming the white belt again, right? So that's what I did. So I went and did jujitsu. That yeah, Neil Simpkins a couple of years younger than me, two years younger than me, but he's my mentor in that. And literally, if he tells me to do something, I will do it, and I won't question why. And it, it's funny because I started that literally at the tail end of Terry Barnett not being able to do any more classes. And I know now looking at, because it was a subconscious thing at the time, but it might've been a little bit more than that. It was, I needed to replace somebody that I was answerable to who held me accountable for my own training personally as me, because I would stand in front of people pretending that I had all the answers. You know what I mean? Which is the worst thing, because at the end of the day, you know, you're standing there in the front of the class, like, you know, trying to take, make make out that you're Yoda, when deep down, you know, you're fucking Jar Jar Binks, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that was, that, that's the thing, right? So I was like, no, no, I don't want to be Jar Jar Binks. I don't want to be a Gungan. I want to be Yoda. I'm going to name check two guys that I really rate in martial arts, who both said the same thing on the same day about the same person in two separate conversations I had with them. One was David Anuma, who was an amazing jiu-jitsu guy and an amazing JKD guy. And the other one is Bob Breen, who needs absolutely no introduction whatsoever. And we were talking about a guy that we all knew. And they, he goes, uh, both of them said, and I'm paraphrasing it because it, it was the same thing. But Bob Breen was like, I don't trust him. And why not? He don't have an instructor. And I, that was literally the thing. Bob was like, he hasn't got an instructor. He hasn't got anyone to answer to. So therefore, he's in charge all the time, isn't he? And I was like, wow, that's the point. And then David Numa was a bit smarter because Dave was like, so where's he getting all this stuff from? Who's he learning from? And I was like, oh, right, okay. The, the crazy thing about martial arts is you get people that come in and there's a real, I think, a, a moral issue there. Like when, when you've got somebody there, I, I truly believe that you should turn around to your students and say, listen, I don't have all the answers. So I think that's why it's great to have that guy there, especially this year, because we've talked, you know, just on the, on the phone to each other. We're just muddling through. That's martial arts. That's life, boys. I'm hearing all this profound talk. Maybe we've all got it wrong. Maybe we should all be more like Jake Paul. Maybe he's our mentor. Maybe <laughs> we should be faking it till we make it and telling everyone we're the best in the world. It seems know. like it would be easier but you know honestly maybe it's me maybe it's projection or whatever but i i see guys like that and i'm like oh man the behind closed door version of that guy though it's just gotta be a mess i don't know he might be sleeping a lot better than us I, yeah I, I hope for his sake he is you know but so to that end i guess saying well maybe this is just a lot of talk I, I, I jotted down what I, I just a couple ideas to get the ball rolling. If you are dealing with some loss over this last year and you do find like what we're talking about is how martial art helps. We're talking about how access to other martial artists or just other people having a social circle and a community around you, how important and impactful that is. But when it's one of your martial art people that passes 
or when you have to close down your martial art gym that you own or what, you know, when one of the things that's directly impacted is the art and or the community, it's hard to go to that thing as a resource because it's part of the issue, right? It's wrapped up in that. Um, and so I was just thinking of like generating a couple concrete ideas based on some of the stuff that we've said that might help at least get the ball rolling again, right? So we've had all kinds of loss that I'm not going to open the whole bag here, but the last oh, three, four weeks now um, have been an absolute whirlwind in my world and pretty heavy stuff. And so my wife asked a bunch of the moms that she knew to start a meal train, which is something that I didn't know existed. Uh, moms are pretty great with this kind of stuff. So basically every couple of days, somebody makes food for us and brings it to the house. Right. And this is like a thing that people just used to do for each other all the time because it was a neighborly thing to do. Now we need like a website to do it. But <laughs> so, but we're really fortunate to have that. You know, so we this is just things like that to say, hey, here's one less thing you got to worry about today. So trying to plug into the rest of your community around you, um, those are good ways to to kind of get yourself up off the couch and get your body moving again. Mick, you refer <clears throat> referenced that feeling of being kind of numb and in shock when your father passed, right? And that hadn't hit you yet. You hadn't had that kind of break yet or breakdown or whatever you want to call it. Uh, breakdown's a shit word, by the way. We need to come up with something better than that. But you hadn't had that emotional thing yet. If you're a teacher, I suggest get that out of the way before you teach. Because there's a good chance otherwise when the adrenaline of the moment hits and it's your first time since that loss that you're standing in front of those students, that's when it's going to show up. That'll be an interesting day. So if you can, knock that out ahead of time. And like so many things, you got to get the first round out on your own, right? Then it makes you a little better the next time. So that means um, heavy bags, I think, are good tools. If you're dealing with a lot of stress, anxiety, hardship, that kind of thing. The big one to me is tie pads. Tie pads are emotional. If, if I've got somebody that I trust that'll hold pads for me, I know I can get a lot of stuff out of the basement. I can work through a lot of stuff on some tie pads. That big, heavy output. Um, slamming things against things. <clears throat> we got a big tractor tire and a sledgehammer in here or throwing medicine balls around the room. My wife is a therapist. She always says how important it is to kick the shit out of things whenever things are rough. And I always laugh because she doesn't say punch. She says kick. So I know she means that. Do you have any other things where you're like, oh, this is kind of my hack. If I'm having a bad day or if I get blindsided, this plugs me in. No, I'm a big fucking mess. I have no idea. I have no answers. I wish I did. I mean, uh, ever since I couldn't really roll anymore because of my health, I kind of, I haven't found my groove. Like I need, I do need that thing. The sticks were a little bit there, but I can't get Mick to come over because he's always busy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I I have no answers. You know, you know what it's like. You end up just helping everyone else at the gym all the time, um, and then you go home and you're like, "Oh shit, I'm just gonna have my dinner and go to bed." I'm not trying not to think about, it, you know, but it, but it's still there the next morning, you know. Um, and that sounds a bit dark, but it kind of is when you when you're in a leadership role. That's sometimes how it is. Hundred percent. It literally is that it's it's that time where you just have to tap in and externalize it all on something that you're not going to destroy so you know you you said something really important there about the the training partner somebody i trust with tie pads yeah because i there's three people in the world that i you're one of them that i will keep tie pads yeah, with yeah. because the thing is it's like first of all 
when I really want to go and, you, you know, you, well, you've seen me do that, like sociopathic shit that, you know, I have that mantra where it's, I'm a mechanism. And I, I say that and it like, I don't even know where the fuck I got that from, by the way, because I'm yeah. like, I'm a mechanism. I'm a, I'm Somewhere like, inside. Yeah. And I just, yeah. and, I, and like, you, you can't reason with me. And I'm, and I, and I just switch it on and go. Uh, and if someone's holding the tie pads and they know that's coming, and I'm not saying that I'm very good, but it, it literally is, you know, there will be a visceral intent behind that. And like, I'm, I'm a big believer in this when it comes to martial arts. It's like, you know, the whole Bruce Lee thing, you know, you will feel the intent because it's a malevolent load of shit that I'm throwing your way here, right? And like, I truly believe what you were saying. If it's anger and it's rage and it's just, you know, it's the stages of grief. Sure. It, what you've got to, you know, what you've got to realize is, when you're in the denial stage, guess what? Maybe go and have a couple of beers if that if that suits you. And you know you're not going to go off on the deep end, right? But if you're in the anger stage, take it. And then when you're in the acceptance stage, guess what? That's the point where it's like, mate, can we just you know can we play some Hubert or something? But but with someone who's very light-hearted. But like that's a long way down the road for most people. And I, I, I really have to do that. It's like you were saying, I have a pile of tires in the back garden. I couldn't get the weight. So I've got literally right. brake discs from my mate, yeah, on an Olympic bar on my tires to lift. And then I had the Moot Jong and I was, as I was working Moot Jong, I was like, this isn't for me. So I took the Moot Jong there, put it in the middle of a stack of tires, taped it up. And I use that as a heavy bag in my back garden and I hit the sticks with it. Is it the impact or the sweat? Is it the, is it the, the, you know what I mean? What part of it does it for you? It's the impact. It's the sweat. It's the feedback in the forearms. It's the Irish Catholic bit, which it fucking hurts me. So like there's a little bit, there's a, there's a little bit of masochistic tendencies there as well, where there's certain things where you just go, I don't want to rationalize. All I want to do is just vent. And you, you know, it's why people punch holes in their doors. You know, that's your door, dude. You own that house. Why did you smash your TV up? Right. And I had to do something. Well, get a pile of tires and go out the back and learn how to well, do an angle one correctly then as well. Yeah, and Mick, you phrased this earlier, and it's something I wrote down where you said um, putting on the mask, right? Like before you go into, I was, I was looking out like at the alley behind my gym where I park and go, yeah, it's, it, that's, that's the one right there is that thing of, you said your um, inner voice was was yeah whatever was being an asshole to you. <laughs> I forget whatever you said it said, and then you got to put the mask on and go. And sometimes that <clears throat> that's that works, and that's the necessity, right? As the coaches, as the school owners, whatever. That's the that's the role we have to play. Um, one of the things I love most about martial art for me is it lets me take a mask off right? Where I feel like most of my life otherwise involves having to, or at least I've always felt that way as a kid, you know, since that's been like kind of my process, right? So here is different. Here I can take the mask off. Here I have to take the mask off if you're going to punch me in the face because you're going to knock it right off either way, right? There's not a lot of like, well, out here I act like I'm somebody, but when you're punching me in the face, you don't really care about that. You don't care how alpha and impressive I think I project myself to be when you're busting my nose in. So, you know, this is kind of a place that that levels that playing field doesn't always feel like we can do that on the day, but it's certainly hopefully a place where you can access people, practices, ideas, new ideas, right? Alternative ideas, things, 
Don't try the same thing that you've always been doing when you're going through something, right? Try the next thing. Try to find something um, different, a new idea or a new way to, to cope or to drive or to move forward. Um, and I think we're all pretty lucky and we all seem to agree that martial art gives a lot of diversity and variety to that end. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.